Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Did you know that Tyler Lockett played four games without Doug Baldwin last year, including one game in which Baldwin got hurt? And Lockett caught a touchdown in three of those four games. Did you know that Mike Williams had only five games all season with more than four targets? That's it. That's not a lot. But in those five games, he averaged about 19 fantasy points per game in PPR. That is exceptional. That would have been wide receiver six on a per-game basis in PPR. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Wide Receivers Part 2. I'm Adam Azer. I got a lot of stats to give out today. We got the upside meter for some mid-round wide receivers. And we'll just get into average draft position. Jamie Eisenberg and Heath Cummings are here. What's up, gentlemen? Uh, did you know that your intro was fantastic? Thank you. Thank you. We have pretty impressive stuff. Huh? I, I think Heath mm-hmm. also has a, a stat he wants to give out. Did you know the Eagles hate wide receivers and were the only team in the NFL last year to throw fewer than half of their passes to the wide receiver? I don't like that. I don't like that. For Alshon. Zach Ertz does. Zach Ertz does. I got, I got an Alshon stat to throw out, and I will. Um, all right, so I don't want to uh, I don't want to mess around. Let's get right to it, guys. Let's start with average draft position. I hope you listened to yesterday's podcast, part one. We gave kind of a broad overview of the position. We talked strategy. Could zero wide receiver work? And eh, we don't love it so much. Can wide receiver wide receiver with your first two picks work? Yeah, we definitely like that strategy. Uh, but let's talk about let's talk about average draft position. I'll use half PPR over the last thirty days on fantasyfootballcalculator.com. You can also look, and I will look at uh, CBS Sports average draft position. Do you have any strong feelings about the top seven guys and what order they should go in? And they are Hopkins, Adams, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, Tyreek Hill, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Do you have any strong feelings about the order for those guys? Juju should not be sick. And I... I feel like Beckham should be last of that group of that group. Yeah. Not the, well, of the top seven of the top seven. I think that Adam should be first. Um, I know I'm in the minority with that, but I just like his ceiling a little bit more than the other guys. And I agree with Heath. I think Juju should be fourth. You behind either Adams Hopkins or Hopkins Adams. And then Julio is a solid third for you guys, right? I've got Julio second. Yeah, I think Dave does as well. I I have, again, because I have Adams above Hopkins, so I go Adams, Hopkins, Julio. Okay, so it's a, it's a top three in some order, right? Oh, no, no, no. Actually, Heath, where do you have Devontae Adams? I've got Adams fifth. Fifth. Which is not saying anything bad about Adams. I have, in PPR at least, Hopkins, Julio, Juju, Thomas, Adams are my five through nine overall. So it's not like I've got... Julio way ahead of Adams. He's only three spots ahead of him. They're all top 10 pick. Yeah, I mean, Julio seems like uh, the safest, agree or disagree, Julio seems like the safest to lead the position in yards. Agree. Agree. Yeah, he's like a 1,600-yard guy when he's healthy. It's pretty amazing. Um, I understand. I have a a tough decision to make with Julio in a keeper league that I'm in where I have the fourth overall pick, and Camara is gone. And I'm assuming if Zeke signs, I have to make the decision Saturday as our draft, live draft. Uh, it's one of my, my, my most fun drafts. But um, I have to make a decision between Julio and David Johnson. 
And I thought all along I was going to go David Johnson, but now I'm going to most likely pivot and go Julio. Yeah, he's he's exciting, no question. Um, obviously, he doesn't score the touchdown. So where do you rank Julio Jones in non-PPR, and how about half PPR? In terms of receivers or overall? Yeah, over receivers. He's third for me, regardless of format. Yeah, and I've, I'm have i pretty sure I've got him second, regardless. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. He's one season in his career with more than eight touchdowns. Um, last year, he was fifth in non-PPR, third in PPR. 2017, I'll try to uh, find... He was fifth in non-PPR. He was seventh in PPR. Yeah, I don't know. He He's never been higher than... Well, he's had one year higher than fifth in, in uh, non-PPR. But, all right, look, he just has to score some touchdowns. It's been really weird. If he scores touchdowns, he could he could dominate the position. I know, Heath, you're, why you might be... I don't a little down on Devontae Adams. He's still a first-round pick, but you having him fifth is different than the industry. Um, do you want to explain why you're lower on Adams than than others? Yeah, he saw an explosion last year in terms of targets per game, yards per game, um, career-high yards per target. He's n- not been as efficient as these guys on a per-target basis, right around 7.5 yards per target. Um, for example... Tyreek Hill's the most efficient at around 10 yards per target. Julio's right about in there as well. And I do worry with LaFleur's new system that we're going to see a decrease in targets for Adams, not to where he's like well below most of the guys in this group. I still have him for almost 30 more targets than Tyreek Hill. I've got him for 106 or 150. But I do think he comes back quite a bit from last year's number. Just I expect LaFleur to spread the ball around just a little bit. And Jamie, you want to make the case for Adams number one? I just think that you know we're going to see him move around more than he's ever done before. So I, I, I like that aspect that he's going to be in the slot, that'll be outside, that there are other guys that take away some attention, uh, not necessarily in a, a negative way from what his stats will be, but you know help draw some coverage a little bit. But I think that Rodgers is going to have a, a monster season. It's why when Tyreek Hill was potentially facing a suspension, I had Rodgers one, and it's why I had Rodgers two. At the quarterback spot, I think Rogers gonna have a big year. So, I, I like this passing game. I like what Devontae Adams does. But the track record of what Aaron Rodgers and his number one guy is is pretty impressive. You know, when you look at Jordy Nelson and Adams last year, and Randall Cobb, and you know, you just go through the the seasons when he has a guy that he can get 150 targets, which I think he will. Uh, I think Adams is a lock for double digits and touchdowns if he stays healthy. Just given the way that this offense uh, should operate and the way Rodgers will look for his guys in the red zone. Um, I'm I'm excited about Devontae Adams this year in, in a big, big way. Yep. All right. So you, you go way back to 2013. Jordy Nelson played half the season with Aaron Rodgers. You take those eight games, you give him 16. You got to do that for this exercise. If you do that, then Green Bay is number one wide receiver in 2013, 14, 16, and 18. Finished 1, 2, 1, and 4 in non-PPR. And 1-3-2-2 in PPR. It is an impressive track record. And as you heard, <clears throat> our podcast is going to be higher on Juju Smith-Schuster than the, uh, than the drafters out there. His ADP is 7th among wide receivers. We like him top 4. And uh, right, is that accurate, top 4 for Juju? I don't know if Dave is there, but Heath and I are for sure. Yeah, I've got him 3rd uh, in both. And I've like I, I've been Gretsch is doing projections again this this year as well. I think he just moved Juju up to his number one wide receiver. I had Juju as my number one wide receiver at one point this summer. I've tried to be a little bit more cautious with that, but I do think he has as much upside as anyone at the position. I have him projected to lead the league in targets with 174. 
and he could have 109. Why, Heath, did you say Beckham should be last among the top seven? And Jamie, do you agree? I agree in PPR. In non-PPR, I have him ahead of Michael Thomas, who I have at seven. I just think that if Beckham... The thing with Beckham is the games. If he plays 16 games, which is so hard to say because he never does that, but you know, if he plays 13-plus games, I think he's going to score double digits and touchdowns. And I'll, I'll say in, in those 13 games, probably 90 catches. Uh, no, 80, 80 catches, um, 85 catches in that range. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's just one of those things where he just misses time. And, you know, I, I, I expect the targets to come down because while the quarterback is an upgrade over what he's had really for the majority of his Giants tenure because Eli's been fading um, the last few years, uh, the talent around him is as good as he's ever played with before. You know, so I, I think Beckham's very interesting to sort of dissect because you know, how much of the, the system upgrade will help him and the quarterback upgrade will help him comparatively to losing some of those opportunities that he's typically been used to getting. Yeah, I've got him sixth out of seven in this group in terms of how many targets he gets this year at 140 for the season. I do think Cleveland's going to spread the ball around. I don't know for sure if they're going to play fast or not because they were a very slow-paced offense under Kitchens last year, just 57 plays per game. And then... One of the things we talk about with why you take wide receivers at that one-two turn as opposed to running backs is the wide receivers are safer and less likely to bust and kill your team. I don't know that we can say that Odell Beckham is safer than anyone. The one thing about Beckham, which I think we don't know yet, and about Kitchens we don't know yet, is Todd Monken. Because if this is more Todd Monken or as you know, influenced by Todd Monken than it was last year, then you're going to see a lot of downfield throws. Because... For those of you that are not unaware of who Todd Monken is, he's the offense coordinator for the Browns, but he was the offense coordinator for the Bucks last year. And remember, there was play calling back and forth between who's calling the plays between him and Dirk Cutter, but they were the best throwing team in the NFL. The Bucks. When you combine both quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. And so if this is an influenced Monken team, I mean, you could say Pittsburgh, you know, however you want to break it down, but they were in the top three. Um if this is his influence on this offense, then Beckham could just be dominant in this role. Yeah. But will it be more Freddie Kitchens as the offensive guy at the head coach? All right, and then Tyreek Hill, we haven't really talked about him. Uh, he was number one in non-PPR last year. He was number three in PPR. He had the fewest targets for the number one wide receiver in non-PPR in at least 15 years. So... I, I mean, to me, in PPR, to me, he's seventh. Uh, you know, is he sixth or seventh for you guys in PPR among these top seven, Tyreek Hill? I've actually got him projected fourth, but I move him behind a couple of guys. And I did, like, it, it, I've got him projected non PPR as second. I move him a couple, behind a couple of guys in both formats just because I do think there's still a little bit of uncertainty. I'd like for him to get to week one and feel certain that there's not going to be any sort of problem crop up. And normally with a guy that just averaged 10.8 yards per target, I would say he's definitely going to regress. When a guy scores that many touchdowns on that few touches, he's definitely going to regress. He did almost the same thing in 2017. In fact, he was more efficient on a yards per target basis. I think we just have to view Tyree Kill through a little different lens. He is the most efficient wide receiver in the NFL. I have him sixth in PPR and fifth in non-PPR. And the one that I struggle with is comparing him to Beckham in PPR because I think if both guys play 16 games, the catches will help Beckham more so than Hill. But again, 
it's hard to count on Beckham playing 16 games. Yeah. All right. Well, these are really good players, really good wide receivers, and they deserve to be taken uh, probably with a top 15 or so pick. Uh, these seven guys. We're going to talk about Keenan Allen. Can I tell you something that 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 I've done? I, I I do these mock drafts with users quite a bit, and um, it gives me a better indication about how drafts will go compared to our drafts and industry drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done two of these now, and Patrick Mahomes has gone the first round or the or first fifteen picks of both. And I did one last night where I picked tenth, and I took Juju at ten, and I wanted to see on the board at the time where Nick Chubb. James Conner and Joe Mixon along with, I think it was Michael Thomas and maybe, maybe Beckham when I, when I made my selection, uh, Kelsey went after I picked a 10. And so I had the choice of Nick Chubb or James Conner and I took Chubb yeah. and it was so like refreshing to see, you know, because normally we're, 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 you know, so programmed knowing the way all of us draft. Right. Like I, I was thinking, okay, I'm taking Mike Evans, <laughs> you know, like that, right. that, that's what goes through my head when I'm, when I made that. And so it just, you know, you, you should, if you're picking at the back end, like to Heath's point about taking receivers, you can sort of really play the board the way you want to. If you take one of those receivers that you love, you make it two, or you may find out you get, you know, and, and I say this word, you know, uh, favorably, not negatively, you may get a leftover of one of those backs and it's still a very good way to start your team. If Chubb had been off the board and it had been between James Conner and, say, Mike Evans, would you have gone Conner or a wide receiver? Oh, Conner. Okay. Yeah, Conner. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, let's take a, a quick break here on Fantasy Football Today. By the way, today's sponsors, we have three of them. We have FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash FFT. Get a $5 bonus. Uh, Marquise Brown in week one. That's a little bit of a sleeper. Very excited for his little homecoming with Lamar Jackson. Both of them. He's going to be playing? <laughs> What's that? That's a bad, bad plan. Why? he Okay, if he plays. If he plays, can I say that? <laughs> if he practices before? If he plays, yes. Um, it, it, so FanDuel is a sponsor. FanDuel.com slash FFT. Hims is a sponsor. If you want to keep your hair, keep your hair. We have good hair on this podcast, thankfully. But if you want to keep your hair, go to forhims.com slash FFT and get a trial month <clears throat> for just $5. forhims.com slash FFT. NFL Game Pass is a sponsor today. NFL.com slash fantasy football today. This is a great, great tool for the preseason. You can get a free trial. Go to NFL.com slash fantasy football today. You can watch uh, regular season games after they are over, obviously, um, on NFL Game Pass. Uh, and by the way, extremely excited for the return of Ion Fantasy Football. That is our Saturday night radio show. It begins this Saturday night. It is 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern. It's a call-in show. We take a bunch of calls all throughout the two hours. We're going to help you with your lineups. We're going to help you with your drafts. It's going to be great from this upcoming Saturday through the end of the regular season, all the way to New Year's, basically. Ion Fantasy Football on CBS Sports Radio. You can listen on CBSSportsRadio.com. You can listen on Sirius. I think it's Channel 206. So that's coming up on Saturday. After the break, we're going to get to the next tier of wide receivers. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, 
invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. So after those seven uh, receivers, who should be the next guy off the board? Mike Evans. Mike Evans. I think you can make a case for Keenan Allen and PPR. And I, I, I mean, there's still going to be people now that Antonio Brown's situation Yay, seems to be he's resolved. Back. <laughs> he's coming back. That are going to take him in that range. But my guess is that until his feet are healed and you see him, he's going to still continue to slide. But I think it's Evans or or Keenan Allen. Why not Hilton? I mean, it could be. You know, I I don't think he's going to get drafted there as long as Andrew Luck is not practicing. We're going to go another week without him not being on the field. So that's not going to be very encouraging. It's funny because there were two reports out of Indianapolis yesterday. One, Luck's not going to practice all week again. And two, T.Y. Hilton's having his best camp ever. Yeah. So it'd be nice to have T.Y. Hilton having his best camp ever with his quarterback being healthy because I think that would be a fantastic situation for him. But you know, he doesn't score the touchdowns and he doesn't usually get to that 100 catch mark. So there are two things that are working against him. Yeah, and I think it's it, the one thing with Hilton and Evans that's pretty different. We talk a lot about how Tampa Bay has 234 targets available from last year and didn't really add anyone to the passing game. So we expect Evans, Godwin, and Howard to all see more targets. The Colts don't really have very many targets available from last year and they added Paris Campbell and Devin Funches. I don't I don't know that we're going to see as many targets for Hilton as we do for Evans, and I expect them to be similarly efficient. I would definitely take Evans over Hilton. I think Keenan Allen and Hilton is tough for me. In PPR, I guess I'll just default to Keenan Allen because, yeah, Hilton's not a big catch guy. He's probably not going to get 90 catches. When he does have a healthy Andrew Luck, he's like a 1,400-yard kind of guy, which is really good. I think that might be better than what you get from Keenan Allen. And then the touchdowns are usually similar um, but I don't know who has more touchdown upside. Like, like Hilton's kind of a big play guy, not a huge red zone threat necessarily. Whereas Allen, I feel like is kind of unlucky, like Julio Jones in touchdowns a little bit. But then again, Mike Williams was a beast in the red zone. Hunter Henry's coming back. So I see them similarly. I, I, I think we're all going to take Keenan Allen over Hilton, um, in PPR at least. And then Adam Thielen, as you guys see in ADP is, is in that group along with Antonio Brown. We're, where are you guys on Thielen and Antonio Brown? Um, if we if we just say Mike Evans is is eight, then Keenan Allen, T. Y. Hilton, Antonio Brown, Adam Thielen, and maybe I'm forgetting someone. We'll get to uh, you know Cooks, and we'll get to the Rams. We'll get to Edelman. We'll get to Diggs. But anyway, give me your thoughts on on that group. Oh, and Amari Cooper as well. Your thoughts there after after Evans? I, I would I would like to think that Evans eight. Some combination of Allen and Hilton, 9-10, are your top 10 receivers. I think that's what it should be. I mean, you may differ. Um, you know, you, you can make an argument for the Rams guys. You can make an argument for for Amari Cooper. You know, you can make an argument in PPR for for Thielen and, and Edelman and, and even maybe Diggs. But um, I think with Brown's situation, you know, he's fallen. For me, he's fallen out of favor. I don't think I'm going to put him ahead of those guys again. You know, I, I originally had him 8. I'm sorry, uh, 9 um, ahead of Allen and Hilton. But I, I just can't say that his situation right now is better than those guys. I, I just think that 
if you look at Keenan Allen's track record, one healthy, T.Y. Hilton's track record really overall, especially when Andrew Luck is healthy, uh, those two guys feel like they should round out the top 10. Yeah, I just, I think looking at whatever draft position is, you get past the Evans and Allen and maybe Hilton and non-PPR, and you kind of get into that range of wide receivers that I'm probably not going to draft very often. And it's Antonio Brown, it's Adam Thielen, maybe Cooper, but I, Cooper seems to go earlier than I'm going to get him. So that's kind of a, a range of three that I'm just probably not taking. I'd rather have Edelman and PPR. I'd rather have Cook than non-PPR and Robert Woods. It's, it's that round two, three swing, which I think is favorable if you do like these guys because you know you're getting a running back to start your draft. Or at least you're, you know, most likely. And so which of those two guys, if you're going to go receiver, receiver, do you prefer? Yeah. You also have to ask yourself, based on the, the depth of your league, is it 10, is it 12, is it 14 teams, is, is it something different? In rounds four and five, what running backs are you talking about? Are you okay with uh, with Tevin Coleman or Lamar Miller or Tariq Cohen or maybe Montgomery? Uh you know, as your number two running back, you start out with a running back and then you go receiver, receiver, and you take Hilton and Thielen, Hilton and Cooper, Evans and Thielen, some combination. How are, how do you feel about the next group of running backs? Um, I think we, I think we like them. We could certainly make the case for them. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I just want to talk about Thielen again. So Jamie, you talked about him as a bust. I, I really want to talk about all these guys. We'll see how much. Well, it, we it, it's a bust. Based he's on one, round you know, two. this is based on round two. It, yeah. it's, it, he's one of those guys you, you have to say bust relative to draft position because he's going to put up good number, but he's just yeah, not like going it. to replicate what he, at least I don't expect him to replicate what he did. And I think that's where he's being drafted as, which I think is going to be a letdown for people. The best way I've been able to put it so far is if you look at last year, those last three games, they ran the ball on 48% of their offensive plays. Before those last three games, they were one of the most pass-heavy teams in the league. Even with those last three games, Cousins attempted more than 600 passes. I've tried to normalize a little bit in my projections. I don't want to project them for a 48% run rate. That's too high. I dropped it down to 45%, and I still barely get Cousins to 500 pass attempts. If he throws the ball 100 fewer times, that's probably 25 to 30 fewer targets for Thielen. I would expect him to be like 85 catches maybe 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns? Like, that's good. I uh, just want to talk about those final games. It's, you know, it's four games, three games with a new offensive coordinator. The last four games of the season for the Vikings, Cousins did not throw the ball a lot at all. Two of those games were blowout wins. So game script could have, had, could have played a role. One of those games, they had the ball for like 22 minutes. So... You know, I, I see the concerns. I get 22.52, so almost 23 minutes. Uh, I get it. I, I see the concern. Thielen was the number seven wide receiver last year. Diggs was around 12. Um, but he was playing hurt, Thielen, at the end of last season. And I doubted him going into 2018. And I just felt really foolish. I think he showed that he's really awesome. So if we're not comfortable with him in round two, are we comfortable with him at least as a top 30 pick? In PPR, you, I, I can get on board with that. I don't love it, but I can get on board with it. Yeah, I think I have him 29th in PPR, so I, I don't ever seem to get him there, but I don't, I'm don't. i not taking him in the first three rounds in non-PPR. What about Agreed. Diggs? How do you feel about Diggs? Slightly better than Thielen. Same. Just barely. <laughs> he, he's got 29 games over his last two seasons, and 14 of them he's had 50 or fewer yards. Yikes. 
But it, it, does that mean anything to you, Stefan Dix? I mean, uh, you know, I, again, I think, you know, both guys are, are so similar. Yes, the, it's it's troubling. Um, I think he'll be a little bit more active in the red zone. I don't know that to be statistically correct, but it just feels like it. Um, I just think he's the better player. Okay. I've said this before. I, I, I hope that he doesn't end his career as one of those guys, like you say, man, he never put up the numbers that match what the expectations were. The other guy in this group that we haven't mentioned is Edelman, and he's so different because he doesn't really have like massive upside, but he's probably the most predictable player, right? You know, 100 catches, uh, what do you think, like 1,100 yards or something like that, six-ish touchdowns, top 12 in PPR. It seems like very likely if Edelman stays healthy. Does those, do those numbers sound good? I've got him for 96, 1085, and 6, so yeah. I've, but I do think... I don't. I'm not going to project him or expect him to score a lot of touchdowns. But he's had certain stretches of his career, mostly without Gronk, where he has scored more regularly than he has throughout the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. I just. I think you have to balance that upside with the obvious injury risk for a guy with his track record and age. Their red zone offense is going to be different. Yep. You no. Know, yeah. The lack the Gronk of Gronk run. is big. Yeah, it's big. So you have. You know, is it? You know, they've added, you know, now another tight end in Eric Salbert, who's, you know, now 45 tight ends that they have on their roster. Um, but, you know, it's most likely going to be the combination of Matt Lacoste and Ben Watson as their primary pass catchers at the position. Things go, I think, according to what they would like. So could that combination, you know, take what Gronk was. And, and we know Gronk wasn't the same guy last year, but, you know, Edelman also wasn't the same guy last year. I mean, that's six touchdowns for him over 12 games. So maybe he gets one more. Two more, you know, if he gets to that eight threshold, I think that's Keenan Allen. Edelman uh, was 15th in non-PPR on a per-game basis, 12th in PPR. All right, let me put a little bow on this group of receivers here from Mike Evans through, like, Julian Edelman, Stefan Diggs. So we are talking about Evans, Allen, T.Y. Hilton, both Vikings guys, Amari Cooper, Antonio Brown, and Edelman. Anybody that you're avoiding, anybody that you're loving, sum up that group uh, in 30 seconds or less. Love Edelman. Think he has top three upside. Or Evans. Think he has top three (laughs) upside as long as he gets the targets that we expect. And he and Jameis both play 16 games. I'm pretty much not drafting that Diggs, Brown, Thielen, Cooper. Jamie? No, the same. I mean, you know, just based on where they tend to go. Like, in this... Uh, the draft I did last night, Diggs fell to the fourth round. So I didn't expect to go Juju, again, picking from the 10th spot, Juju, uh, Chubb. I took Brandon Cooks in the third round and Stephon Diggs in the fourth round. So, Like if I get that, I'm thrilled. Heath, yeah, Diggs in the fourth round would be nice. Heath, you're not taking those guys. They're going in round three for the most part. You're taking Kittle and Ertz. You're taking running backs. What are you doing there? I have, in non-PPR, I've taken Cooks and Woods just ahead of them. Um, I do think a lot of times you see Hilton or Edelman or Keenan Allen there in the third round in that same range. I have taken Kittle and Earth when I've seen them in the third round. I've not drafted too many running backs in that range either. I, I like Woods, but I don't see much difference between Woods and the Vikings guys. Like I think the Vikings guys are a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I'm curious why you pass on them for, for Woods. Uh, Woods goes later. Oh, you're taking, you're taking him later. Yeah, yeah. I and I, I think I've got. I agree. Him, I agree with that. Yes, I've got him projected just over them in non PPR. Um, I, I think that there's probably a similar number of targets 
a few more targets for those guys. They'll catch more passes, but I would expect that Woods is going to possibly beat them in touchdowns. That's interesting because he's usually like a six touchdown guy. Right. I I, uh, I have a hard time passing up T.Y. Hilton in a non-PPR league if he's there in round three. Yep, agreed. Yeah. All right. So that so then it would come down to like, would you take T.Y. Hilton or Leonard Fournette? And then I'd probably have a hard time passing up Leonard Fournette. <laughs> uh, I take Fournette. Yeah. So like looking at, at Fantasy Football Calculator, the, it's Fournette 27th overall, T.Y. Hilton 28th, Aaron Jones 29. Personally, that's exactly how I would rank it. Fournette, Hilton, Aaron Jones. How about you guys? This, uh, that's half Aaron P- Jones should be like 10 spots lower. Fair. That's half PPR, by the way. Um, how would you guys rank that? Same. Okay. Fournette, Hilton, Aaron Jones. 10 spots lower for Aaron Jones? Yeah, I don't know, Heath, but this is not the running back preview, so I will not get on a tangent. I'll take one uh, another break here on Fantasy Football today. When we come back, we'll get to the next group, and pretty soon we'll be talking about those mid-round picks, the Robbie Andersons, the Dante Pettis, the Christian Kirks of the world. Uh, okay, hey, I can't wait to give a little love to Kenny Galladay. He is hypeless right now, in my opinion. So that's up next on Fantasy Football Today. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever, and this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. We are into round four now in a 12-team league, and we're, you know, around uh, 40th overall or so, and we have Brandon Cooks coming off the board with Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay. So Cooks, Robert Woods, Godwin, and Galladay... They seem to be, in my opinion, in a little bit of a tier of their own because after that, we're talking about A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, who's really interesting, Calvin Ridley, but a lot of number two receivers or the injured A.J. Green. But we got Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Chris Goblin, Kenny Galladay. I guess we have a couple of number two receivers in there as well. Um, all right, talk to me about uh, this group again. Cooks, Woods, Godwin, Galladay. I mean, it's, it's a great group, you know, especially look at what their average draft position is. You know, you're talking round four or later. Um, if you decide to go two backs, two receivers, uh, maybe three running backs and a receiver, this is your second guy. Or, or, you know, if you're lucky, your third receiver, it's a great way to build your team. You know, they, they all have, in, in my opinion, top 15 upside, you know, and in some cases, top 10. Um, I don't know how realistic this is in PPR to see these guys falling this far, but in non-PPR... I think you can get Cup and, and Godwin and potentially Galladay in round five, and I think that's unbelievable value. Yeah, the, the, there's a huge disconnect here, Adam, between what you're saying in terms of the value on Fantasy Football Calculator and our ADP on CBS, which is on the screen right now. Chris Godwin at the 56th pick, absolutely love that, and I would get a lot more of him than I ever do in any of our drafts. But if you're telling me that Cooks, Woods, Godwin, and Galladay are all going right in the same range, well, that's why I have a ton of Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, and it cannot seem to draft Chris Godwin. Do these guys have big upside, or are they sort of low-end number one wide receivers at best? Like Cooks has basically been every year. If you say low-end number one, and you're getting them two rounds later than the low-end number one guys then that's fantastic. Well, like who? Like two rounds I, later than who? I mean, if you you have to put them in the category of D.Y. Hilton and Keenan Allen. And, you know, I mean, if you want to throw Mike Evans in there, I, I would say that Evans has a much higher ceiling than those guys. But if he has a, a, a down year, then 
you know, the guys that you're taking in the middle to the back end of round two and early round three, and you're getting them in round four and round five, potentially. The big upside guys in this group for me are Cook and Galladay. And you look at Cook last year, 80, 1,204, and only five touchdowns. If his touchdown rate just normalizes where it was the three years before that, and he doesn't miss basically one entire game where he didn't score any fantasy points, well, he's an, he's an easy number one receiver and maybe a top six or seven guy. He may have been closer to like 85, 1,309. Uh, I did the math. If he had caught two more touchdowns, I didn't give him any more yards. But if he had caught two more touchdowns, Cooks would have gone from 14th in non-PPR to 11th and still I think would have stayed 13th, um, which was which surprised me. That would have given him just seven touchdowns. But uh, but yeah, like every single year, he here are his Brandon Cooks's finishes in non PPR last four years: eleventh, eighth, eighth, and fourteen. And remember, Heath basically mentioned he just he missed pretty much one game. And in PPR, twelfth, tenth, fifteenth, and thirteenth. He's a little bit better in non PPR, but he's a solid twelfth ish wide receiver. So you should value Cooks that way. Um, Galladay, you mentioned him, Heath, as someone in this group that has a lot of upside, and. I mean, I agree. I was I was ready to make him like my guy because Dante Pettis was my guy. I have to back off of that. I was ready to make Galladay like my dude that I want to draft all the time because I don't think he gets enough respect. And I thought people loved him. He's like six foot four. He's a physical specimen. He runs well. I mean, I love everything about Kenny Galladay basically, except his schedule is pretty tough. Although Arizona week one, Patrick Peterson will be suspended for that game. So probably not tough. Um, but, you know, it is a tough, tough schedule. And, you know, he only played two games last year with both, with, without, without Golden Tate, but with Marvin Jones. Those two games were against Chicago and Minnesota. Marvin Jones, believe it or not, was more involved, was more involved near the red zone. Everything changed in the fourth quarter of the second game when Marvin Jones got hurt and Kenny Galladay got, I think, six targets in that quarter. So that was interesting. But I still, I really like Kenny Galladay. I'm sort of going to push all those concerns aside and be very happy with him as my number two wide receiver late in round four. I like Galladay uh, a lot, but I also look at not just Jones coming back, but they added two guys to compete at the tight end position. Uh, Obviously, Hawkinson is the one that, you know, you hope to see become the focal point. But I wouldn't discount Jesse James' role and just taking away targets from everybody as but, well. But like they're them plus uh, Danny Amendola, are, that's not going to be Golden Tate. The ninety catches, thousand yards of Golden no, Tate. No, but every the year. offense is not going to be the same either. But, and I think that's the the bigger concern for me is that yeah. you add in the extra mouths to feed, plus the fact that they want to be a little bit more run dominant and rely on their defense. And I think Galladay, what he did last year in terms of his numbers, I think is going to be something that is 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 replicated, not necessarily exceeded. All right, well, he had 1,000 yards and five touchdowns. I'm hoping for more touchdowns. Uh, and I just last thing on that is Matthew Stafford had a broken back last year, and he had a terrible season. He threw for like 3,700 yards. He's usually a 4,200, 4,300-yard uh, kind of guy. He threw for 3,800 yards. So, uh, yeah, that... So, all right. Anyway, uh, I think Galladay sort of settled in in his mid to late round 480p. And Chris Godwin... He's, he's, how, a, he's an excellent, excellent number two receiver. How early is too early for Chris Godwin? I mean, one overall. <laughs> round four is too early for me. I'm happy to get him in round five, and he's there in a lot of drafts, just not the ones we participate in. Yeah, I I, I take him in round four. I 
I think you're going to get a big year out of him this season. Okay. Would you take Godwin or Godwin? 20, that was what I said in 2018. Um, <laughs> I'm taking Godwin. In Bruce, I trust. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to round five here, and let's talk about Cooper Cup, AJ Green, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, and Calvin Ridley. Five names: AJ Green, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, and Calvin Ridley. They're going in round five. And how would you rank them? Uh, AJ Green, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, Calvin Ridley. Oh, just like ADP, uh, fantasy calculator ADP. Jamie, how would you? Uh, I would him? go Lockett, Cup, Ridley, Green, Boyd. Lockett, Cup, Ridley, Green, Boyd. I, and this is like a super tier for me. Galladay and Godwin are in this same tier. But you start at AJ Green, which in my projections is my number 18 wide receiver now. And you go down to Ridley at 23. There are five points that separate that group. Mm. Interesting. So I, I gave you an order. I'm mostly just taking the guy that's left. Who has the most upside in this group? AJ Green, if he's healthy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So other than him, because that was, yeah, makes sense. He's going to swing a lot of drafts that are going to happen in the next two weeks. He's so injury prone. Jesus, he's injury prone now. He's so, he, he's, he's injury prone, but I, you know, look, we don't know how many games he's going to miss. There, you know, he, he may not be ready until week 10. I'm seeing week, week six. He may be fine for week two. You know, we, we have no idea how he's going to recover from the minor surgery and, you know, when they feel comfortable putting him back on the field and when he feels comfortable getting back on the field in a contract year. But if he's, you know, 13 plus games of what this guy's capable of doing and you're getting him in round five or later, you know. I, I hate the fact that he is hurt right now. He's also like he's missed 16 games since 2014. It's still less than Odell Beckham. Yeah, but he's older and 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 obviously not as a, a potential to be as explosive an offense. Yeah, I don't think he's as good as Beckham. I mean, we I didn't say this about no. Beckham, but Beckham, his first two seasons were probably his best two seasons for Beckham, at least on a per game basis. And those were two seasons where Eli Manning had more than 4,000 passing yards and 30 or more touchdowns. Which is which is what we expect from Baker Mayfield, uh, you know. I know there's a target share question mark there, but I just think Beckham. We have not seen. He's never finished higher than wide receiver four for a season. We have not seen what Odell Beckham is capable of. We know what AJ Green is capable of. He's, in my opinion, he's not capable of being Odell Beckham if they're both at their absolute best. Sorry for the detour, but but look, Green's Green's certainly capable of being better than everybody else in this range. Cooper Cup is a touchdown machine. He has proven to be Jared Goff's favorite red zone target. He will probably have some yardage games that aren't very good, and there might be some weekly downside with Cup. Tyler Lockett is so interesting to me um, because he he is not a red zone threat at all. He I, that's why you know my bold prediction has been since since the NFL draft that DK Metcalf is going to lead the team in touchdowns. Do we but, ever figure out what our bet is? No, I don't think so. But uh, but I, I, I mean, I watched the preseason game and I thought DK Metcalf actually looked pretty good. If he had a better quarterback throwing to him, he would have. He might have had some big numbers. Uh, I don't know if Lockett played. You know, forget. We'll talk about Metcalf later. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Lockett, if Doug Baldwin were available in round five, like vintage Doug Baldwin, he'd be the best value in fantasy drafts. Lockett had a great season last year. I think he was like twelfth in non PPR, seventeenth in PPR. 
So is he? Does he look like a total steal in round five? I think so. Yeah, I love it. I, I think there's a very good chance that his targets go up considerably. The touchdown rate's going to fall. He won't be quite as efficient, but I love him as a number two wide receiver, especially a non-deep. How many targets did you give him? 101. See, if, I think if he gets over 100 targets, you're talking about 70 catches and, and north of 1,000 yards easy. That's a, I don't know. That feels like a high catch percentage. I don't know what his catch rate is, but he, he's such a, a big play guy. I would think it'd be on the low side. Heath, am I, um, am I right? He's, first off, he's a Russell Wilson receiver, and they always oh, have extremely yeah, high catch right. rates. Right. Um, but Lockett's catch rate last year was 81%. Whoa. For his career, it's 70%, which is what I use, 70% of get him to 70 catches. Okay. There you go. Yeah, he, he was definitely a little lucky last year. He had the 56th most targets uh, and only six red zone targets, and he's usually not... He's got was a 19 career receiving touchdowns. Six of them have been... 20 yards, uh, inside 20 yards. Uh, so personally, if I had Lockett, I would not mind spending a late round pick on DK Metcalf just to see how that plays out. Or are you guys don't, DK Metcalf for, right now is, uh, behind. Is what? Like I, I don't, I don't think we're going to see DK Metcalf on the field on the first offensive play. Well, yes, he will be involved. Well, he I, won't be starting. They love him. I don't care about that. I don't care about. It's, who's it's interesting. It's really, it's really interesting with him. You know, how, first he's already battled an injury once. You know, that's a knock on him is that he couldn't stay healthy in college. And so, you know, will we see him? You know, fight through the injury problems that he may or may not deal with and overcome two guys that haven't exactly been very prominent in the NFL, but the Seahawks like them in Jerron Brown and David Moore. All right, uh, last question on this group. Then we're going to do the mid-round to late-round upside picks. Tomorrow, we'll finish up our wide receiver preview with, like, you know, probably rounds 10 and on after the top 100, whatever it may be. So, uh, Calvin Ridley, does he have a chance to be this year's Juju Smith-Schuster? Second-year receiver, good pedigree, good offense. I know he's got, I know he's got, you know, Julio Jones, but Juju had Antonio Brown. Does Calvin Ridley have that potential? I think the difference is that Atlanta is going to spread the ball around a little more than Pittsburgh did last year. And I don't think Matt Ryan's throwing 675 passes because we expect the defense to be improved a little bit. I did give him a boost in targets. He had 92 last year. I boosted him up to 109 just because he was so good. But Juju had 166 targets. Like everybody would have to get hurt for the Falcons defense again. And we might have to see an injury to Muhammad Sanu or Austin Hooper for this work. Agree. Okay. I do feel like Ridley's a guy that I want some shares of. I just sort of excited about him. It's like oh, yeah. the statistical argument is harder to make than just the God, I love him. I think he's a great player argument, you know? Yes. He, he was lucky with touchdowns last year. Well, you, I think you put him and Lockett and Mike Williams, all three kind of in the same. We know all three of them are going to see their touchdown rate come down. It's which guys can see their targets go up enough to make up for it. Lockett's the easy one. Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's uh, let's take a break here on fantasy football today. Our last break of the show. When we come back, the upside o meter for some some important players that could make or break your season. We'll be right back. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present a Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. All right, guys, here we go. Uh, upside o meter. So, yeah, we can we can go by ADP or we can just talk about anybody you might be drafting after Calvin Ridley. 
so zero to ten. Zero is very little upside. Ten is massive upside. Robbie Anderson. Six. I love his big playability. I like his talent. His quarterback could improve. Jamison Crowder scares me to death, and so does Adam Gates. <laughs> I'll say eight. I think the rapport that he had with Darnold at the end of last season will will certainly help. And I like the fact that they're going to move him around the offense a little bit. So six and an eight for Robbie Anderson. Dante Pettis. <laughs> right now, negative four. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, like, this whole last week has really soured me on Dante Pettis' floor and most likely outcome. I don't know that it changed my opinion of his upside too much. I'll still say five. Yeah, and I'll say three. That's how I feel. I mean, I went back and I had to remind myself why I love Dante Pettis so much. I started watching his highlights He's just, he's, I think, really good. He was a, a kick returner in college and a very good one. So there's a lot of plays to be made after the catch. And he had a, a big chunk of his yardage came after the catch. And I think he has that ability to kind of make big big plays out of nothing. But they're just talking about him like he's got to earn his starting spot. You have to be a little hesitant with Pettis right now. Christian, well, the, the problem or, is, is that last year he didn't have competition for targets. I mean, Marquise Goodwin was in and out of the lineup. Kendrick Bourne was the other receiver that they were using. And so now you have two rookies that they're very high on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Christian Kirk, 0 to 10 on the upside meter. We had an interesting conversation with uh, Pete Prisco Drink on uh, Fantasy Football Today yesterday, who was with the Cardinals in their preseason game against the Chargers. And he said that, so Pete gets, uh, he's on the field before the game, you know, doing his uh, on-field stuff for CBS Sports HQ. And he said, you know, all these guys come by and talk to him, you know, from team officials, coaches, whoever's on the field, players. And he said to a man, he was also with the Cardinals a couple of times this offseason, to a man, they say Larry Fitzgerald's still their best receiver. Hmm. Yeah. That's so exciting, dude. Like, we <laughs> all want Larry Fitzgerald to be great again. And I, uh, I'm i all for it. I'll say a four on the Christian Kirk upside meter I'm, because the problem is, if even if he's the number one wide receiver, we don't know how valuable that is in a Kingsbury offense. Right. I, 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 I struggle with... Uh, the group of Kirk, Will Fuller, Mike Williams, and maybe one other guy. Uh, th- those three guys. Like, I want Kirk to be the best of that group, but it's just, it's hard to trust it. Christian Kirk or Curtis Samuel? Uh, they're very close for me. I may put Samuel ahead of him, though. Are you taking Kirk over Pettis? Yes. Yes. Kirk or Anderson? Anderson for me. I've still got Kirk higher. Before I go through the rest of the upside meter, why don't you guys just tell me some of your favorites? The players, I have 12 players here. Anderson, Pettis, Kirk, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, Mike Williams, Jarvis Landry, Sammy Watkins, Corey Davis, and Will Fuller. Uh, I'm not saying these are the only 12 that are in this range, but these are the 12 I picked. Who are some of your favorites, if you had two or three that you're looking at here? In this draft I did with uh, users last night, Curtis Samuel went ahead of DJ Moore. I was floored. First time I've seen that. Um, it's the two Carolina guys for me. Yeah, I think of that of the group you gave. Did you say Sterling Shepard in this group? No, I didn't. I I'll say DJ Moore and DD Westbrook. In a non PPR league, I I like Will Fuller, especially if QT is hurt, which is always. So I think it, even if he's not hurt, you know. Yeah. Fuller is such a swing for the fences pick that if you get. I don't know, 10 plus games, <laughs> anything close to, to 13 games from him. I mean, he, he, he could score double digits and touchdowns. It wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. 
But like he could he could be Calvin Ridley. The one thing I had to bring up was that QT Hopkins and Fuller played four games together last year. That's it. And Fuller had the fewest targets and the worst stats. So I don't know. That's only four games. It's not a huge deal, but it's something. It's something. I think he'd be going higher if QT weren't part of the equation. You know, and well, don't just, forget Duke Johnson now too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Duke Johnson probably hurts QT more than he hurts Fuller, but he still hurts a little bit. It's all good for, for Watson. All right, uh, upside meter for DJ Moore and for Curtis Samuel. Nine and seven. Uh, eight and fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Eight yeah. for both. Uh, so. When you say that, the only thing I'd have to be a little concerned about is this. Cam Newton has never thrown, since his rookie year, he hasn't thrown for more than 3,900 yards. He's had one season with more than 24 uh, passing touchdowns. It's why Greg Olson was always really good, but but rarely like super elite. He's given us, Cam Newton has given us one elite wide receiver, and that was Steve Smith in Cam's rookie year. If you're going to take, like, let's say 4,000 passing yards, which would be the second best season of his career, if you're going to give, like, 800 of them to Christian McCaffrey, if you have Olsen back and healthy, I don't know how much you guys care about that, and then you have Samuel and and uh, and uh, Moore. Both of them were, like, top 50 picks, by the way. Moore is a first-round pick, Samuel a second-round pick in the NFL draft. I don't know that. I don't know that there's massive upside for one guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not that kind of offense. It hasn't been historically. But but I think you have to, you know, when you say massive upside, it has to go with what your expectations are. Like if you're expecting them to be number one receivers, then you're going to, you know, be left sorely disappointed. If you're talking about guys that can, you know, finish in the, and, and I'm not comparing them to these guys, I'm just talking about the range of their being drafted in the, uh, you know, Godwin, Galladay, Cup, um, you know, range of, you know, round four type of value that you're that you're getting them in round six or later. I think that's their ceiling, which I think you'd be thrilled about if you're getting those type of players. And I'm just going to do an Adam Azer thing. Uh, this last year was his first year in a North Turner offense, and he Nate Newton really seemed to success like Have a success. Lot. Yes, it was great, great. Yes, in, in fact, his he, first he was, thirteen games, he was on pace for four thousand seventeen yards and pretty passing. Yes, yes. I was but the yards didn't really and, and go up I, a lot, but the touchdown rate, the touchdown pace did go up a lot. Yes. Uh before the, I think the one thing about the, these two guys in particular and I, I think it's going to really benefit in this offense is Steve Smith is a star. He's he, he should be in the Hall of Fame. But what these two guys can both do that he did as well, but now there's two of them is yards after the catch. And you also have what they'll be able to do with a couple of carries, you know, I don't know per game, but I think, you know, bubble screens and things like that, that they do behind the line of scrimmage that don't necessarily count as catches per se, but they help them will also sort of set them apart. So I think when you're looking at these two guys, I'll say this again, as much as I love Curtis Samuel, I think the ceiling is a little bit higher for DJ Moore, but that's not saying that both guys can't get to the same level and perform at the same type of production, give you the same type of production. I think that, you know, you're talking about maybe 65 catches. Best case scenario, 75 catches for for one of these guys, you know, but the, they'll be somewhat close. I think a thousand yards is about what the ceiling will be. And, and you're talking six touchdowns. That would be fantastic where you're getting these guys. I will say the case for Moore or Samuel having the big breakout season we were talking about is the other one of those two guys being a disappointment. 
if one of these two can establish themselves as a clear number one in the offense, I've got him projected right now for like 108 targets for more, 103 for Samuel. But if one of these guys grabs the reins and gets 120, 125 targets, then you see the upside of a top 15 wide receiver. And and I think part of the the problem is, you know, um, with Samuel now is the all the hype that he's been getting, you know, uh, forget about what we say about him here or what I say about him here. I, I, I don't want to, you know, put anybody's name on it that doesn't want it. But, you know, what I what I what I say about him here um, is he was such a great find in drafts of what the potential could be. And now it's like you have to spend the draft capital to almost match what he could be, which is never fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's a shame you can't draft both of them anymore. You know, you'd have to invest a little bit too much. It's not like you can. You, you can. Everybody else can. If 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 yeah. if you wanted to go round five, round six, maybe round six, round seven, but that's not the way you want to draft with receivers. That's something you want to maybe try with running backs. Yeah. But you know, it, it's it's taking your friendship strategy and putting it on steroids. Okay. By the way, we have a tweet from Joel A. Erickson that Andrew Luck might have some type of bone issue. So we'll update you on that tomorrow. We have only a few minutes left in today's show. We'll is, talk about that on uh, on fantasy football today at twelve o'clock Eastern. Is anyone in this group, Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, the guys we've already talked about, like Anderson, Pettis, Kirk? I'm going to stop saying Pettis, Kirk, uh, Moore, Samuel, Mike Williams, Jarvis Landry, Sammy Watkins, Corey Davis, Will Fuller. There's like Marvin Jones is in this group in ADP. Do any of them have? number one upside without an injury? And I, I think the answer is probably no, which is why running backs seem a little bit more enticing in this range. Um, but yeah, what do you think? Corey Davis is, is part of this group as well. I'm not sure if I said him. Mike Williams is so intriguing because, mm-hmm. you know, he's entering his third season, should be more involved in the offense, should have, you know, a, a, a chance to see his catches and yards come up. I agree with Heath, the touchdowns come down, but how far do they come down? You know, is it one, is it four, is it six? You know, I mean, that's the the thing you have to ask yourself with Hunter Henry being back on the field, but there's still 110 targets that they have to replace. So if Hunter Henry, you know, becomes in, I don't know what you have him projected for. Is he a hundred target guy? Is he an 80 target guy? I've got Williams and Henry both at 88 targets. So, you know, if, if, and what did Williams have last year? 60 some odd targets, right? You know, so if he goes up 20 plus targets and he, you know, I don't think he's going to get to to the the number I would love to see is 65 catches. I don't think that's realistic. But you know, if that were the case, you know, and you're talking about a guy that can maybe get to I don't know 800 plus yards um, and still stay at 10 touchdowns, then he's going to by far exceed his you know average draft position. But you know, that's the numbers that he has to get to because the other number in terms of the scores are coming down, okay. most likely. All right, we haven't gotten to the Green Bay wide receivers. Uh, we haven't talked about Larry Fitzgerald. Um, I, 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 th- well, we sort of did. Yeah, a little bit. I, I sort of feel like Will Fuller has top 15 potential. Um, but I've already made that case. We haven't talked about the Broncos guys, the rookies, uh, Anthony Miller. I think one thing with, um, you know, you mentioned in this group, Sammy Watkins. Now he's clearly been falling in drafts because a lot of the early ADP numbers that we're seeing is from, you know, the potential of Tyreek Hill's suspension. He was on pace for what Odell Beckham did last year in 12 games. You know, now Watkins has clearly got the injury track record that you have to be panicked about if you draft him. But um, if he does somehow give you the majority of the season as the second guy in this offense, now that's factoring in more work. Third guy. For DeMar- 
Huh? Third guy in the offense. I'm, I do. Well, second second receiver. I mean, he could yeah. be the fourth guy. You know, if you want to throw the running backs in there, but sure. you know, second receiver. But you know, if you factor in the Marcus Robinson and obviously Michael Hardman and what those guys are going to take away from him, but if you just look at what he did last year, you know, when he played, he was good. He wasn't great, but he was good. I like him as a top thirty guy. All right, that's Sammy Watkins. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, I'll uh, maybe tomorrow I'll make a case for Alshon Jeffrey, but we are out of time. So we'll finish up wide receiver tomorrow. We'll talk about sleepers, breakouts, and busts this entire week, basically. Sleepers tomorrow, breakouts Thursday, busts on Friday. We'll talk preseason, and we'll tell you about our telethon, a chance to really help us out with a great charity. We'll tell you about that tomorrow as well. Make sure you watch. What do fans- sleepers? What? What do sleepers say before they go to bed? <laughs> what do they say? Gotta go back. Of course they do. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow here on Fantasy Football Today. Na 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 na.